I think it just, you know, if you just kind of believe that you can do hard things, you know, that, the you know, I don't think the same as saying yes and taking the path of least resistance means that it's easy. I think that it just, it gets you where you need to go in the lessons that you need, need to learn. Welcome to the space cast. This is Lauren K Hickman. This is inspired astrology. Happy solstice this week, everyone. What an auspicious and beautiful day we had. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to see the star in the sky created by the Jupiter Saturn conjunction. I am on the rainy, cloudy shores of Lake Michigan in Milwaukee on the stolen land of the Potawatomi, Kickapoo, and Menominee nations. And it was gray. And I didn't get a chance to see the sky. Maybe tonight. Maybe we'll see. We're going to find out what happens. But if you did get a chance to go out and stand and behold this very once-in-a-lifetime type of opportunity, what a gift. What a gift, this energy. So this week, today, I interviewed a doctor. She is a military doctor. Uh, has made military part of her career trajectory. Um, and I, I don't know, I just, I felt like, hey, it's Capricorn season. We should interview the most Capricorn person that I can think of. Double Capricorn energy, sun and moon with a Virgo rising. And she just so happens to be my sister. And she's being deployed in a couple of days for another stint, another journey, very, very far away. Um, and this has been sort of our adult lives. Uh, we grew up in the same environment. We love each other very much. Uh, my, my sister is like a, another mom to me and she's very important to me. And I just felt very called to interview her and see what she had to say about Capricorn season, see what she had to say about this year. Uh, and honor her perspective quite a bit. A very unique and very powerful individual, and I'm so grateful that I got a chance to chat with her today. Well, let's go. Let's go a little deeper. Let's get into the winter solstice report. Let's see what what she had to say. To be alive at this time is to witness recalibration. The cogs and gears are aligning. The portal's opening has been a slow, creaking, and exhaustive process, yet here we are. We stand before this open door. And here in this moment, we receive blessings. Here, we receive opportunities. But, but however, how we receive those blessings and how we utilize opportunities, that's up for debate. That is up to the way that we receive our experiences. You know, we can, we can look at things from any perspective. Is this an opportunity? Is this a closed door? Is this a blessing? Is this a burden? Why am I cursed? Why does God hate me? You know, I hear that kind of stuff and it's, it's like, no, I mean, everything, everything has its place. It might, we might not know what the reason is though. I think that's the hard part. Again and again, people reach out to me looking for answers. Um, and we all know what it feels like to be a seeker, to wonder what's going to happen. 
why did this thing occur? What in my chart says that it, it should be this way? Um, and that search for meaning is part of being human. And I think this year has presented a lot more questions than it has answers. And out of that frustration comes a lot of armchair experts, a lot of uh, conspiracies and different theories and thinking about things in different ways. Sometimes we just don't know. Sometimes we just don't know the answer. We don't know why bad things happen. From a metaphysical standpoint, you know, if we're all part of one consciousness moving back towards unity and its illusion of separation, that means that there's things that are outside of our control, outside of our understanding. And often it just takes time. I think from our own perspectives, if we give things enough time, we can see how it fits into the story of our lives and what we're creating. Those opportunities for forgiveness is how my, my mom would say it. You know, There's so much out of our control. And it's really how we utilize surrender, serenity, acceptance. We are moving into a season of service. Often that gets us out of our own way. (laughs) So I guess choosing between the path of soul or ego is harder for humans than you'd think, right? I guess what I mean by that is whether we do things for ourselves or we do things for the bigger picture, that's part of sacrifice. Knowing what you need to know, doing what you need to do not needing to know the why necessarily. So the term solstice, you know, we've passed this, but it it means to stand still, a sun standing still. And the sun in astrology is our vital force. It's our perceptual being. It represents the cloak of our ego. It's sort of the dressing that we wear in the world. You know, I, I think, I think of the ego or the personality being sort of an egg around the soul. It's what we walk around in. And we need this dressing because soul energy is so shocking and mistrusted a lot of the times. Are you really being genuine? Really? So take a moment of silence. I hope that you did yesterday, but we still have space for it. We're still in the energy of this portal. A moment of stillness. All is sacred. I don't know how else to put it. The paint on the wall, the books on your shelf, the device in your hand, your water glass, your hair, your dog, your lack of dog. (laughs) All is sacred. So in the stillness of the moment, in the season, this darkness, we have time to turn inside, to slow ourselves, to face our fears. We find peace within. Otherwise, it will only be lacking outside of us. The solstice is known as the death and rebirth of the sun. It's interesting that it's around Christmas time. The sun is born. The sun is born. So it's a time where we bring fire, we bring candles, we bring bright bulbs and twinkle lights to illuminate. Illuminate our own darkness 
set an intention in a dark moment. What are we bringing to light? After this year, what have you learned about yourself? What intentions are you setting for the cold months ahead? Will you rest? (laughs) Do you know how to rest? Do any of us know how to rest? Can you find moments inside of yourself of repose and restoration? Can you stop? This big turning point was overemphasized by the Great Conjunction. And if you're anything like me, it's all that was in my Instagram feed yesterday. This generational marker, the shifting cycle, Saturn and Jupiter moving into an air sign to set the tone for the next 200 years. Aquarius, the water bearer, water bearer, (laughs) is here now to pour forth, pour forth knowledge and to reconnect us in the ubiquitous energy of liquid life and to bring to form authenticity. Authenticity, that's kind of a that's a, that's a buzzword, isn't it? I can't think of another term in the English language that explains that idea of being real, being who you are, using your words, not the ones that were poured into your mouth, not what you were educated with in school, how you can arise to the moment without being redundant, without having an auto response. I catch myself all the time. I mean, this is part of how we change our consciousness is just noticing what kind of things we do. Did I really mean what I just say? Did, am I doing that because it's like culturally okay? Hello, how are you today? I'm fine, thank you. And how are you? These niceties are part of that, I guess, I hate to say settler culture over and over again, but I, I think that, you know, we have, to, we have to step aside. You know, Capricorn, this year, all the Saturn, Jupiter, Pluto, the Pluto Capricorn stuff, I think is what I'm emphasizing here is upturning these old, ways of being these more um i don't know being so predictable you know like making it easier for people to consume life which is very un it's unpredictable it's scary it's unknown we don't know what's going to come at us and if The high side of Capricorn is integrity. Maybe the dark side is the fear stuff, the control stuff, trying to make things a little bit more palatable. Just some thoughts. Um, (laughs) So to be authentic, we have to break free of patterns that hold us beholden to these social norms. What is genuine to your beautiful and unique vibration? Say no to all the things that don't resonate with that. Find your cozy. You know, this is a time for cozy. When you have time for it. Find your blankie. Find your cuddly. You're warm. You're soothing. You know, in, in this kind of window that I'm speaking within, there's some Neptune, moon connections, the creative juices, imagination, You are infinite. You are infinite expression. Change comes from within. Just do the next thing that makes you feel more like yourself. You know, find that fullness. 
so that you can contribute to all that's changing, all that is. This new world with all its infinite possibility. Thank you for listening. Up next here we have my sister, Dr. Andrea Lee Hickman, on the podcast. Stay tuned. Hey, sister. Hi, Lauren. Welcome to the SpaceCast. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. I totally stole that term from one of the shows that your, um, your son Jimmy uh, showed me. It's a show called Midnight Gospel. Have you, have you watched that with him on Netflix? I have not. It's pretty incredible because it's like recorded, uh, recorded interviews that they turn into cartoons and they're kind of sick and weird and dark and wonderful in so many ways. But uh, I was really impressed because Jimmy was like, uh, hey, auntie, you got to like check this out. And that a 15 year old showed me what was what. <laughs> and uh, funny enough, I knew most of the people being interviewed, uh, but there's a lot of talks on Buddhism and death and grief and loss and just really strange stuff on that show. But uh, they use the word space cast and I like that a lot. So I'm, I'm adopting it. I'm co-opting it for my show. So hopefully midnight guest, midnight gospel doesn't get bad. them about copyright law. So <laughs> your secret is safe with me. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, thank you for joining me today. Um, I know that this is a big week for you and I appreciate that so much, but, um, I'm, this is, this is Andrea Lee Hickman, Dr. Andrea Lee Hickman, my sister, and she is in the military and she's a doctor and she's being deployed this Saturday. And I thought with all of her Capricorn stuff, that it being Capricorn season, this might be an interesting conversation. So Andrea, I'm going to open up with the question I ask all my guests. Tell me about the soil that we were raised in, but more specifically, like how you experienced that soil. Um, so I am the oldest of three girls and my mother was also a Capricorn. So I feel that being the oldest, which usually instills quite a bit of responsibility um, and my mother also being a Capricorn, she really understood me and understood that that the things that were just expected would be done. And there wasn't always a lot of maybe gratitude for, um, for just doing the, the expected things that you should do as a child, because we just, there was just kind of an understanding with that. Um, so she was kind of a hard woman. Um, I think considering but, how much water she has in her chart, she is pretty hard, <laughs> but I think like most Capricorns, we get softer as we have birthdays. Um, dad, I think, was much more of the, the fun one, the affectionate one, the encouraging one who just wanted to kind of like wrap us in the little bubble of safety that the dads can, ten, can tend to do. Um, I feel like he demonstrated always a lot of, of hard work but also making the effort to put your family first. So, you know, he <clears throat> had a, you know, he would show up at swim meets in his three-piece business suit with his video camera. And he um, just always made family and the family unit and doing things together uh, a real priority. Um, 
And I think I really learned from him those, those values and then just the, the value of, of hard work and, um, and always like his encouragement of what I wanted to do. I wanted to travel. He encouraged that. I wanted to work. He encouraged that. Um, and so I think those were the, probably the, those dynamics between the two of them, kind of that yin and yang that kept everything pretty grounded. Um, also probably having so many animals in the home, like always mm. dogs, cats, horses, ferrets, crabs, hamsters, pot belly pigs, birds, like whatever, fishes, fish, fishes, fish, <laughs> you know, fish, fish. So those were always just, um, I think very important to me, taught me a lot of responsibility, um, a lot of uh, compassion and care and, and putting, um, those things in front of your own priorities to, to, you know, you didn't get to do stuff until like those things were taken care of. And the same being, I think the oldest of, of two, two girls is, um, you know, when you were a baby, you were a real pill and would cry and cry and cry and cry. (laughs) And I could not handle it. I think mom and dad were trying like the Ferber method or whatever, where you just like let your child like cry themselves to sleep. And it would just like break my heart. I just, I couldn't handle it. So I would go in your nursery and entertain you so that you would stop crying because it just would just, was so hard on me. Plus I probably couldn't sleep. And yeah, my, my grandma, grandma Kirk used to love to tell the story of um, being at her house and Kirsten wouldn't go to bed. And we're like, you know, she wanted us like asleep at 8 PM, but we're like, jumping on the beds and just, you know, being kids on a weekend, probably rowdy sleepover. And she came in and like swatted Kirsten on the butt for being ornery. And I like, she of course probably crocodile tears, but was crying. And I like took her and held her and was like, but grandma, she's just a little girl. She's just a little girl. And yeah, yeah, Grammy, (laughs) Grammy loved to tell that story. So I don't know. I think does that answer kind of a, a broad question? Oh, I mean, the, yeah, this is just, you know, ex- exploration of, you know, getting you to where you are now. But I mean, certainly all of that being the eldest, being a Capricorn, having a Capricorn mommy. But OK, so like you talked about the animals and responsibility. Tell me about what your animal environment is like now. Oh, well, the zoo. Um, so I have been very blessed to marry my husband, Mike, who happens to be a Virgo. So we have a lot of understanding. Um, and we have currently two dogs and three cats. And then he built me uh, COVID chickens, got me COVID chickens. So he built me a chicken coop and we have um seven hens and two roosters and um with and that all requires a lot of uh, coordination we, we always say divide and conquer so we like you know, <laughs> well well i did the chicken coop and got clean you know ready and then uh, waited for this interview he went ahead and and like took the dogs for a walk and um yeah it's it's a little bit of a zoo it's a little chaos and then two uh two human animals to human, human animals. that we have to keep alive and honeybees oh and yeah and my honeybees but i had i've already had a rough winter it makes me a little sad oh yes you had some hive lost yes i so far i think i've lost 
three or four hives here. I don't know about the one at mom and dad's, but it will be a rebuilding year, I suppose. Yeah. What do, what do the animals teach you? I think it's just absolute like lack of judgment. Like they just, it's what, you know, you know, I was reading an article at, cause I am like many Capricorns that I don't sleep at night when I'm stressed. And, um, was reading an article on the Atlantic about Reiki uh, in hospitals and kind of the woo-woo stuff. Um, and they said, like, cats naturally do Reiki with their purring. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. So I think it's just, it, it, it just, you know, it, like, they help me sleep. They give me purpose. They get me out of bed in the morning. They are non-judgmental. They love you unconditionally. I mean, as Mike would say, dogs are the best humans. So, you just said cats. Cats are, cats are the best humans today. <laughs> so, um, but I think it gives, gives, it gives purpose. It gives focus to your day. Um, it gives unconditional love and lack of judgment and, um, and, and putting you know, other, something else's needs before your own because you make the choice. It's like having children. You make the choice to have these animals. And so therefore it's your responsibility to give them the best life possible. Mm-hmm. What, how do you deal with the, the attachment stuff with animals? Like, you know, it, it, like, especially with the losses that you've had. Well, isn't it like better to have love and loss than never loved at all? Yeah. There's this, um, like a meme I saw and it makes me cry every time that it's like, oh, I can't even say it, <laughs> um, about basically how your, your dog's whole life. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. It makes me choked up. No, it's okay. Like our animals are so important to us. Like dragon's sitting here looking at me and I, I have a morbid, a morbid relationship with his death. Cause I think about it frequently, but, uh, well, so the, the meme said that I, I know, well, death. no, I think, well, I, I think that it would be unhealthy for me to pretend like it's not going to happen, you know? So I think that acknowledging it helps me to get through, you know, like that every cuddle is the best cuddle mm-hmm. that every walk is an important walk mm-hmm. every, you know, like every interaction I have with him is kind of based on that idea of impermanence, mm-hmm. you know, that I just, I just love them. So I, and I, and I know how much you love your animals and we had that um, we have a tradition now for Andrea that there's a, there's this gal in Iowa city who makes little stained glass hangings and she's been doing custom roomies and custom dash and star they're greyhounds and the kitties and you know it's like a sad tradition but i think that it's very honoring of of your your fur people mm-hmm. they're always with us <clears throat> absolutely well, that's, you know what they say about you know with children too and you can compare it and i know you're you're not a parent but you're an excellent excellent auntie as as the uh, you know the days are long but the years are short mm-hmm yeah I like those analogies. So why aren't you sleeping? Oh, um, I, I tend to not sleep when I feel um, a little bit overwhelmed. You know, you wake up, I wake up with the, uh, the oh no, I forgot to pack the swimsuit and the, or the shoes or I need to buy towels or whatever. And, you know, 
I just can't get the brain to relax and it will resolve once I'm out the door and, and settled where I am. But this is, you know, it's like when, when shit gets real. Mm-hmm. Well, shit's getting pretty real. Like <clears throat> as you're preparing for departure on, on Saturday, <laughs> is that what's cute? That's what you're thinking oh, about yeah. specifically is packing for this yes. trip. Um, when was your, when was your last deployment? Uh, my last deployment was, I left actually just about the same time of year in 2013. Um, so I, I got back in August of 2014. And that was a longer, longer. Yes, uh, that, that was a longer deployment. That was, um, I'm, I'm anticipating this deployment to be far less stressful and overwhelming than, than the last one was but Mm -hmm. that was the air force posting this is an army posting so a little bit different but same weather so i get to get out of uh, iowa in january Mm -hmm. okay um how so in the you had a you had another deployment before that and you're stationing in um in europe um i mean do those count as deployments too how how does this work so for the military, you have something called a PCS, which is a permanent change of station. So those would be moves to any, what they would call a garrison. So a non-combat or combat support type of zone. Um, so you can have a PCS within the States. Uh, like you could move from off at Air Force Base to Minot Air Force Base. That would be a PCS. Um, but I had a permanent change of station to overseas, um, outside of the continental U.S. to first to Turkey in 2010. So that was my my uh, second duty assignment, and then I PCS a permanent change of station from Turkey to Germany, and then I had uh, orders for deployments for um, so it would be a temporary move. You know, like I went back to the same location. It's not permanent, temporary um, to Afghanistan and to and to Qatar. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, let's back up a little bit. Like you know, we talked about childhood and pets and animals and stuff, and then all of a sudden we're in the military. Like, how did you get from being a kid in a cul-de-sac in the middle of the United States? to becoming a doctor and joining the military? Like, how, how did your thought process work with that? I, I would say first and foremost in my life, when good opportunities have arisen, I have taken them. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like there's some kind of a misconception that, you know, you should you know, take the hard road to have an easy life. But sometimes taking the path of least resistance actually gets you where you need to go. Uh, and that's been true yes, for your experience yep. is just saying yes to hard, well, hard things. I mean, like when I mean, we go back to you detasseling corn as a teenager, that is like a stupid hard job, but you got paid well to do it. And you had to get up at the butt crack of yep. dawn and you became allergic to corn. You'd come home with the scariest bugs I'd ever seen in your tennis yeah. sneakers, your tennis shoes, your tennis your <laughs> shoes. Yes. From Walmart. I think it just, you know, if you just kind of believe that you can do hard things, you know, that, the you know, I don't think the same as saying yes and taking the path of least resistance means that it's easy. 
I think that it just, it gets you where you need to go in the lessons that you need, need to learn. And I think it, you know, you mentioned the tasseling and it's hard, dirty, grimy, hot, long, early hours job, but there's something like just satisfying about being outside and, and completing a good day's work. And uh, I think mom and dad never let me, you quit something. Like you made a commitment to something and you didn't quit. So you might not like it and you may not sign up to do the next season or the next block or the next whatever, but you finished your commitment to yourself, to your team, to your boss. Um, and then when your commitment was up, yes, you may not renew your contract, so to speak, but, but you, you made a commitment and you followed through with that. And so, um, that was a value that we certainly were instilled mm -hmm. with, you know, fulfill mm -hmm. your commitments. I think they were a lot more soft on me because I was just way more squishy. Like emo I, I would just, I was way delicate <laughs> compared to you. You're so tough. I would never have detasseled corn. Well, I think, yeah, it's just a, an, an individual thing. I don't know. I think I always, like I mentioned earlier, work gives me structure. It gives me purpose. It keeps me in line. I think if I don't have the organization, I tend to like not get anything done. If it's not, you know, yeah. when I'm busy, I get more done than when I have nothing to do. I can't get anything done. Um, yeah. I, you know, falling in, into medicine, I feel that I'm not, you know, I was not a, a child who always wanted to be a doctor. I didn't grow up like, oh, I want to be a doctor when I grow up. It was definitely something that I kind of, I don't want to say fell into, but I think that the universe kept kind of pushing me that way. Um, and, uh, and then with the military, um, again, that was kind of mom and dad. There was all these, you know, the bright glossy pamphlets from the recruiters to, you know, have medical school paid for. And mom and dad were like, well, you know, we got you this far. Guess what? It's on you now. So you might want to look at, you know, a scholarship and grandpa had been in the air force and the first actual letter that I received that wasn't like generic, like call 1-800 so-and-so was actually like contact this email address was an air force recruiter. So, um, but honestly, like that was the best decision that I ever made in my life was to join the military. Um, both because it paid for my schooling. It's, and it definitely set me up for a lot of financial independence and success moving forward because I didn't come out of college with a quarter of a million dollars in debt, you know, basically a mortgage to pay off. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, and then I got the opportunities to see the world. You know, I think I've heard people, I've been specifically question, like, I just know how much my husband and my children bring me joy. And I just want the same happiness for you. And my response to that is like, I didn't accidentally fall into my lifestyle. Like these were calculated risks to take to, to have experiences that are unique and different, uh, to most, uh, like you said, like Midwesterners, I, <clears throat> I traveled, I met people from 
all over, you know, I think the military is appealing, especially right now as we're going through these <clears throat> times of unrest and inequality and discontent, because I, I, in my experience, it really puts everybody kind of on the same playing field. You know, you're all in the same uniform, you're set to the same standard, you're paid the same, you're, you know, <clears throat> and, um, and that you, and you don't, you know, you all work, you're all wearing the same uniform. You don't know if somebody came from like the, the way back in the bayou, uh, inner city, Chicago, you know, the, the hills of Montana. You don't know these things until like maybe an accent or you, you actually get to know somebody and know their story versus maybe judging them by superficial things. <clears throat> right. Cause you're, you all, you're all identical. You're all. Well, it, same, it kind of, yeah, it cuts know? out some of the superficial BS that, that people want to fixate on. Now, granted, is it a self-expression mm -hmm. to take your piercings out and hide your tattoos and cut your hair? No. I mean, there's some people that, that, that they need that or that those are the things that are important to them, but I feel like you can much more get to the soul, but it's also like like-minded people. And so you you've looked at my chart, mom's looked at my chart and that's very much what's led me to, you know, um, like-minded and, you know, like-minded groups of people and being of service. And so when you're all, you know, the best friendships I've made have been people who were also in service to their country. <clears throat> um, and, um, you know, working towards that common goal. Mm -hmm. Well, without, without getting, I mean, this is political a lot. I mean, mo I think most things kind of fit under the political conversation, you know, um, I, I know what your values are. I know how you vote. We don't necessarily need to share that. That's up to you. But I, I mean, I know that you're, you're a good person and you care about people and that the military and the service for this country and your feelings of, healthy patriotism, healthy criticism of the governments that have been in place or the functions of what's happening. Like I've always respected that, uh, you know, of you. And I think that the, the greatest criticism that I'm seeing that I, I have a hard time with is the amount of spending that we have on, on military for this country. And I, I, I want to hear your informed kind of perspective on that, because a lot of people are really pissed that it's, you know, there's that, that saying, um, you know, like I think of a liberal coffee shop with a sticker that says, you know, we have all this military spending and yet we're having a bake sale to support mm -hmm. teachers. <clears throat> and I, and I know you're someone who gives, you care about education, you care about everybody having access. So I'd, I'd love to get so your insight. My first thought on that is uh, that unfortunately the way that government spending works is that you are taking a budget and you're trying to project what you're going to need to spend in three years. And so what you have to do, and, and this is with everything, is, you know, you get $10 million, you, by golly, better spend $10 million. Even if you only needed for that year to spend $7 million, you better spend ten, or next year you're not going to have $10 million to spend. Um, and this is not just, I mean, this is uh, the government, fairly blanket statement for that. Um, sure. Corporations yeah, would do the same thing. So, you know, what happens is that, well, you know, we don't really need, this is just an anecdotal example, but we need, we don't really need tanks this year, but we have all this money. So we better go ahead and 
buy the tanks this year because we might not have the money next year. We might need the tanks next year, but the money might not be there. So I think this is how we get inflated budgets for many things instead of like sliding your credit card and paying later, you're anticipating what you're going to need. Um, I mm-hmm. feel like what you're mentioning about like, you know, public education and stuff. I feel that it's, it applies so much further than just government. Um, I think it's what we place value on. And hopefully as we've gone through this turmoil this year and we've, you know, yes, we all miss like concerts and yes, people miss going to sporting events and those type of things, but maybe recognizing like what we really need right now is for our kids to be back in school and to maybe refocus what we have put importance on in this country because you know our healthcare workers our public educators our social our mental health providers <clears throat> and social workers are not paid what their education costs what their importance is in our society and yet we pay you know millions of dollars to actors and to um, sports icons and that type of thing. So, um, I'm, I know I kind of diverted from your original question, but, um, with military spending, I think it, it, that's so multifactorial, but the, the biggest thing going back to just, you know, you, you get a budget and you better spend it because this is how government budgeting works. You know, and right. you know, yes, corporations are big, but there's nothing on the level of, you know, funding at a government know. spending. Gosh, that really, that's really a scarcity mentality though. When it, when it, when it's so hard, like hard and fast like that, you know, and, and the way you described it makes a lot of sense. I never viewed it from that perspective that it's, but it's a scarcity mentality. It's like, okay, well, we don't want to get underfunded next year. So we better spend every yes. dime that we get this year, which, which is, uh, it's wasteful. And I mean, yeah, I didn't, there's just a lot of problems that come with that mm-hmm. type of system. Um, and, and I talk to me more, you know, I, I, I guess that this year was so Capricorn, uh, infused, And I've been talking about that on the podcast with, you know, Jupiter, Saturn and Pluto being in Capricorn and that that Pluto doing its jabby job in Capricorn means that we have to look at the shadow side of things. And you've kind of touched on that about, um, you know, this idea of like, how, who do we value? But I'd love to get like, tell me more things. Tell me things. You're smart. What about just, well, I mean, Your your take on this year, you know, how have you fared it? What's so me personally, um, thankfully, um, and and Mike and I were discussing our gratitude yesterday that you know we we have gone to work like normal humans this whole time because we're both in healthcare. So yes, our our mm-hmm. um, our my job specifically being an outpatient clinic work has had to stay flexible, but that's mm-hmm. definitely one of my my tenants of living is um, I learned this in the air force that the key to air power or flexibility is the key to air power. And I'll even give that to uh, Colonel Bean, who was my first SGH and in real life was yeah, flexibility is the key to air power. I don't understand. Can you, can you unravel that a little bit? Well, 
in anything, it, you know, anything you have to accomplish in life, you can't just live within this box of thinking. And that's, and that's everything, everything about who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I look at, if you look at like Erickson and I'm not certainly not a psychologist, but like Erickson's stages of development, you know, it's like identity versus role, you know, conflict and stuff like that. And, you know, we, I think as, especially as we're in that stage of our life where we are, um, producing, we're producing children, we're producing income, we're producing product that, that phase doesn't last for our mm -hmm. whole lives, but it's how we learn to identify who we are as people. And then now, you know, you hit 62 or 65 and you retire and like the job and then now who are you? And if you believe that you are not flexible, that if you believe that you, you, who you are, your attributes, your qualities are just set in stone, like you're going to just descend into like unproductivity and lack of purpose and all those type of things. So I, you know, I say flexibility is the key to air power. I'm sure it has something to do with like getting a mission done. Right. So if you're, if you're a pilot and you're getting on your aircraft and like, Oh wait, maybe my landing craft needs to be looked at or, Hey, we had an ice storm last night. We need to de-ice the plane. Like you can't, go off and do your job. If you only think, well, if, if I don't do steps one through five perfectly, uh, then I have to start all over again. Well, no, you can maybe do step 3.2 because, you know, you, something. Yeah, you have to be flexible. You have to, uh, uh, yes, what's it called? Improvise. Um, improvise, you know, be able to yeah, meet, meet the situation with what it needs rather than like everything's so unpredictable. You can't just like mm -hmm. check the boxes yeah. and hope everything works and as out. Much as like, you know, people want to think that the military is like very regimented and structured, like definitely flexibility is something that I have, have had to learn because I like most people do not like change and being a double Capricorn with a Virgo rising and all earth signs, I can be very stubborn and inflexible. And so I've had to learn to be flexible, to be flexible in all aspects of my life. And so that's mm -hmm. definitely um, huge. I think that it's, it's huge in just sur survival. And especially right now, we have all had to learn to adapt. And I tell, you know, it's like, you know, school, public educators, like they're learning to fly the plane while they are building it. You know, they're in the air because they, we've never had to go through this before. Um, and so thankfully, you know, our, our kids are older and so they're mostly self-sufficient. I wouldn't say that they're flourishing under virtual learning by any stretch of the imagination, but, mm. um, I think for me and parenting, this has been very much a stretchier. Um, we've had, um, a lot of, you mentioned Jimmy earlier, um, problems with him and and what he is going through with his identity and, and his emotional development and health in this last year. And so I think as it's a tough age and it's I think a tough being age. a parent and then particularly a step parent, you, you can throw up your arms and say, fuck you. You don't care about me. I don't care about you. Or you can, you know, put the work in and try and like 
connect and I, you know, identify with the other person and help them to grow. And I think that that's so true in the bigger picture of things right now, you know, like the, the Black Lives Matter movement. And again, I don't want to, I don't want to turn this on to politics, but <clears throat> for many of us, particularly here in the, the Midwest, we may have never spent too much time looking at things from a different perspective. And you know, and maybe thinking about maybe our older folks who are in nursing homes or long-term care facilities, and they're not, you know, they're not able to see families or get out. And now we're having to take those, put ourselves in the, you know, those people's shoes and, and adapt and stuff like that. So I, I think it's um, been, if you take it, a great opportunity to, um be a service. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that a couple times that, that word service. And I, and, you know, I think that this year, you know, we were talking before the recording started about, you know, what, what does it mean to be of service? You know, is it to be of service to stay home and stay out of public places? You know, um, <clears throat> what does it mean to step up to circumstances? And I mean, I think about how my teacher describes service and like knowing what you need to know, uh, being where you need to be and knowing what to do when the time presents itself, you know, cause in that, that comes back to that flexibility statement from Colonel Bean was like, if you are prepared, then when something comes up, you can show up to that situation and to that circumstance or for, mm -hmm. show up for that human being because you, you've, you've prepared for that moment and you were ready for it. I think that's an excellent way to look at it. I probably meant it maybe a little bit of it in a different light, but I think that definitely, you I mean, you have, a, this is from your teacher. Um, I think what I have seen this year when I, when I talk about of service is the, the me versus the we mentality. You can't make me wear a mask if I don't want to, because it's my right. Um, you know, why, why do, you know, don't all lives matter? You know, those, that type of, of thing. And I think the shift because of how much under a magnifying glass, this, uh, the state of inequalities has been this past year is looking out for your, your, your fellow mankind, you know, wash your hands, wear your mask. And, and who cares? Like, Maybe it isn't the end all be all. Maybe we're overselling masks. I don't think we are, but um, but you're still you're you're doing what little you can in solidarity with your your fellow humankind. But I like your analogy probably better. Yes, yeah. Your your, uh, your service <laughs> was really is very well thought of. I'll have to write that down. But to say yes, exactly like what Dr. Bean said. But if you if you have all the skills and you've been in preparation for the unknown, then you can be flexible and you can and you can change course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, the the division I think in this country uh, this year has been really illustrated and it's it's painful because it is that dichotomy between me and we and what's better for the greater good and the sacrifice that comes with that and i when i think of capricorn energy you know again we're in that season and i'm talking to a double capricorn is that idea of sacrifice and being able to stave off immediate 
pleasure or immediate gratification for the long, the long haul, you know, and, and often I'll talk to clients. It's like, if you want that steak dinner at the end of the week and you're working a menial job, you will eat mac and cheese and, and then, you know, all week until you can get to that steak dinner. I mean, there's, there's this, uh, putting off pleasure to, uh, mm-hmm. the to have the end result, of you know? Things, yes. Then you're, that's a, that's a Capricorn attribute. I didn't. Okay. <laughs> it's yeah. It's part of, part of the wiring, you know, that, I will climb the mountain. Little, the little I will put my head there. down. Well, I think, you know, um, my Haley was, she's, she's almost 13 and, and getting into astrology and stuff. And she's little Aquarian. I love her. Talking about how she doesn't like Virgos the other day. And I'm like, you know, tell me why. And I, you know, do you understand that there's, positive and negatives to, to all people. And that sometimes, you know, people, you're just going to have conflicts with them, but you know, that doesn't mean that they don't have good, good attributes. Um, but we had to, we had to have a little talking about that. Virgos get such a hard time. I think you should tell Haley to read my post from Virgo season. Cause I just, I, I think that they're, they're, they're the best sign in a lot of ways. I have no Virgo in my chart at all, but I, the more I work with the energy of it, the energy of service, true mm-hmm. service, the adaptability, you know, for, for an earth sign, it's much more like an air sign. It's more like sand. It's more, yeah. you know, it fills in the gaps. Um, but it, the over analysis is, I think that, well, obviously that I'm why it gets a hard kind of time. Because but... I've got a Virgo rising. I married a Virgo. Several of my yeah, best, your rising energy friends are Virgos. I've always been att- attracted uh, from more probably a kinship or friendship um, playing to to Virgos. Maybe you know. right. so it's like I'm being protective right now. What? <laughs> Haley, sit your butt down. We're going to talk more, about Virgo. Uh, flexible and understanding right. about uh, other people's pros and cons, but. Um, so yeah, so I, I would agree with you that this past year has demonstrated probably the, the pros and cons of this energy. Um, the stubbornness can be a good thing. It can be a negative thing. Um, hopefully if we take all of these lessons learned and, and build the to-do list that, you know, we do and, um, and start implementing some of some changes and, and, and actually completing something instead of just having like ADHD about what are we, what's it, COVID, Black Lives Matter, oh, you know, the, the Uyghurs, you know, like pick a, pick a plan and finish it. But um, it's, it's difficult with, with all of the, you know, an election year and again, not to get political, but I don't feel yeah, we've like had, we've had time. current yeah. president is a, is a, an of service person. I don't identify with him as a patriot. I, um, and so, you know, hopefully moving into to the next phase of things that will, you know, we'll be able to come back around to being a, an of service mindset for this, for our wonderful country. Because I still believe it's wonderful. I, mm-hmm. I you know, I'm, I'm a patriot through and through. Um, feel like I've you know, sacrificed my entire adulthood, the better part of my life to serving my country. Um, I still believe 
And it tends, I still believe that it's a great place to live and um, that, that people can achieve beyond where they came from. Um, but, you know, we just need to kind of uh, get rid of the me mentality and get back to the we mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this year, the, the United States went through its Pluto return. I mean, as humans, we, we know what a you know, what a Saturn return looks like. You know, we live long enough to have a Uranus return, hopefully, you know what I mean? Like, there's a there's a lot of cycles that we get to live through as humans, but we will never have a Pluto return because we do not live long enough. But the United States had that this year and it's it's continuing to happen so that's when pluto has done a full full cycle through all of the zodiac signs um triggering different events in america as a as a birth chart just like we would a child but you know we we think about what pluto has done for us in capricorn this year to to look at the underbelly the old boy mentality the um you know what the old values that are having to be re recalibrated and that's what you've been sharing but but at a soul level, you know, a Pluto return for the, the United States, I think all of the upheaval, everything you've described about, you know, racism, the division, the viewpoints, the, the attitudes, um, the inequality. I mean, that period, that, that's the big word that I think that came out of this year. Um, I mean, I, 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 I want, I want mm-hmm. to believe that we can do better. And... Um, Andrew, it's really interesting because yesterday was the, you know, the winter solstice and I, I didn't get a chance to write about this because I, I couldn't get the words together for it. But it was the 400 year anniversary of the pilgrims landing on Plymouth Rock, you know, leaving Plymouth and ending up at Plymouth. And I'd love to like just rap with you about this because I find it so, um, so interesting that like 100 very conservative Christians left England and moved to Leiden in the Netherlands and Leiden was way too uh, liberal for these people. And they're like, we got to get out of here. We thought that we found, you know, religious freedom, which we did, but then there's all these like loose values, liberalism in this culture. So we're going to, we're going to head over to the new world, new to them, obviously. And they get over there and they like, they, they head off on the boats, Andrea. And one of the boats started leaking so they had to like turn around and go back and then they loaded everyone onto the Mayflower and every kid in American schools knows what the Mayflower is and knows what a pilgrim is. And they, they come over and they land on the solstice in 1620. It's, it's winter mm-hmm. and half of them die. They have to live on the boat. There was 18 women, mm. five of the women survived and they they relied on the Wampanoag people to just even get through a season, you know, to, to just make it through the hardest days at that time. And, you know, I, I was talking to Timothy about it. And, um, you know, he grew up in a in a very conservative homeschooled evangelical household. You know, that was the values instilled in him. And they they love the pilgrims. You know, because and it's that same idea of like, if you homeschool your kids, you're protecting them from this outside culture, you know, like you get to instill what values you want in them. And I guess I'm all over the place with this, but I just think I just think it's really fascinating that we're like 400 years out and then we're at this culmination point culturally where we're like, hey, uh, land back, 
uh, hey, indigenous people are still here. We didn't disappear. I'm, we, you know, speaking third person, I like not, not about me. Um, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Like, does this bring up anything for you about our cultural values? I mean, the, the pilgrims, there were so few of them, yet it still speaks to the way that Americans kind of like that cowboy, we're going to do it. We're going to face all of the hardships. We're going to make it through. And they ended up like, I mean, totally fucking the natives that were here for 10,000 years. Wow, that's, that's a <laughs> uh, lot. I have uh, kind of going a lot of different directions. Um, I, oh, I think that, yes, I think there has to be a, a breakdown of uh, what the, America's identity is to, to figure out how we are going to move forward with where we are now with technology, with pollution and climate change, you know, because if you're looking from that, um, identifying with the pilgrims and like this cowboy mentality of like conquering and, you know, and and certainly that, you know, white male uh, power dynamic that has set up America. Um, I think, I I think that's kind of what you're getting at when you're saying, Oh, these white Christians from England just kind of sailed over and thought they were just going to like, no, we're just going to take over this whole country. And, and we did, or they did, um, I guess, identifying as a white Protestant Anglo-Saxon wasp, um, by, uh, by ethnicity or whatever. Um, I think you're mentioning regarding homeschooling and stuff is that probably that might be part of why these, um, these stories persist because we get to, you know, when you are, homeschooling not that I was homeschooled but in general uh, our education system gets to rewrite rewrite history you know um, I know in Turkey they don't talk about killing the Armenians in Germany they have changed some of their history regarding um, the Holocaust and stuff like that Um, the Holocaust I don't I don't know to what extent but I know that you know I'm sure there's some some kind of conspiracy theory, um, you know, in certain more indoctrinated clusters of people in the U S like there are people who have like Holocaust deniers, you know, <laughs> like if it, but it kind of, it continues down to yeah. the rabbit hole. We could go on and on about just kind of that, that group think mentality where, you know, you may individually have a slightly, right or left-wing belief but if you put yourself into a group of people who might all just slightly have a right or left group you know or belief it will become more extreme and everybody will kind of get on the bandwagon because of group think um you know it's a very orwellian term i appreciate you dropping that in there um i you know i think oh he will, yeah, George Orwell. He he's an interesting guy. Uh, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. Um, I I guess I I did not know that yesterday the solstice that four hundred years ago that they landed on Plymouth Rock. Uh, I think it definitely set up this um, white Protestant male um, power dynamic that we see in our country. That I certainly believe can be rewritten without rewriting history. And perhaps, you know, one example of that is 
taking down like monuments of, um, well, you know, uh, civil Oppression. war yeah. statues and stuff like that of Robert E. Lee and, and things like that. Um, are we taking them down because we don't want to do like a memorial, you know, we're you know, memorializing something in a positive light, but is that rewriting history so that it has that opportunity to repeat itself? I, I personally have, have conflicting thoughts on, on the topic. And I think we, we all will over have, have had this last year about is COVID real or not? Do black lives matter? Yes. But all lives matter. Yes. You know, um, can I identify as a Christian, but also believe in climate change, you know, not be like a flat earther. I think <laughs> there's a lot of like duality um, <laughs> in everybody that's maybe been brought to light. And then we've got social media feeding into the fears and the conspiracy and the, you know, the rabbit hole of thinking that we can all get sucked into right now. Yeah. Well, that comes back to, you know, they're mm-hmm. building the airplane while they're flying it. I I think that people feel that there's this underlying, you know, somebody knows the truth. And I don't think that's the case in this in this year. I think that we are just improvising well, on think the people, spot you know, the I best think that we there know how. A large group of people that if they can just put blame on something, it makes them feel in control, even if the blame is on themselves. Like they can't just say like shit happens, bad things happen, that, that there's a essence mm-hmm. of peace. If you can't, if you can put blame on somebody or something, you know, oh, it's, uh, the coronavirus was made in a lab in China as, you know, biological warfare. And I'm going to believe that because then I feel I have some control over what's happening versus like. Oh, things mutate and guess what it just happened to get to humans and it's a bad thing so um i'm sorry where was i going with that but yes i think that and then we feed into that with social media and you know youtube and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um I want to come back to uh, military and your experience as a woman in there, considering mm-hmm. kind of the setup system that's an old boys club. Um, how, is, how has I, that changed so you? I how does that affect you? A female officer in the medical profession, which, it, which has many more military females in it, um, I have never personally had to confront or address um, some of the um, military sexual trauma that that I you know that 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 is out there. Um, I part of it is probably just a strong personality, and part of it is because I'm again military female, and then the medical profession, which just has more women. And but I would say being a mm-hmm. leader, and I'm sure this is true in any corporation being a female leader often can make hardened people hardens women um because they feel like you know there's this um ongoing where you know you're you're working second and third shifts where you are have to be you know, do 100 percent at work but then you also have to come home and do 100 percent 
at, at home with cooking, cleaning, child rearing, and that type of thing. And so um, women, I think, can be the hardest on each other because they're like, well, if I can do it, then that's the standard that I'm going to set. And I'm just going to expect that, that all women are going to put 100% into work and be, you know, and then I, can, I don't really care so much about what your home life is. I think that the balance in any corporation, um, for me, from like a, a female medical leadership role, it can be, it can be a very difficult thing to learn how to do. And I certainly have not found the balance with that. Um, when you're a healthcare provider, you don't really leave your job ever. Yes, you can go off shift. Yes, you, know, you can see all your patients for the day and be done. But there, there are things that haunt you that, um, you know, that you, you know, either bad interactions, mm. bad outcomes, difficult diagnosis, difficult workups. Um, and then, and then, you know, to come home and then also have, you know, wanting to do your own, your self care and then also to take care of your family. And it can be a, a very difficult balance, um, for anybody, but I definitely think as people get into leadership roles, because you're, you're the one that's always responsible for what everybody else does. So they'll defer to you. Well, um, you know, they're the one making the decision. So I can, I can leave because they're ultimately responsible. So once you're at the top, um, it, it, it can be a challenge. And I think women leadership continues to struggle with that. Um, I would like to hope that it will continue to improve. I think our male counterparts need to get out of the old boys club and um, learn to promote their female colleagues or men and mentor them. Um, and, and hopefully with that, there will at some point be a softening of like people's balance in life. Like people have never been more depressed, anxious, overwhelmed, and perhaps this working from home has been an opportunity for a reset for that. They said, I heard on NPR that um, the apps for meditation and sleep are out uh, selling or out or being downloaded more than apps for anything else, for games, for even exercise and stuff like that. People are really trying to learn to be more centered and to be more calm and to get more sleep. Um, so I would, you know, maybe if this is Pluto breaking things down and we're able to go into a new transit where, um, we can find a bit more balance and some of that might be, you know, breaking down that, that old boys club. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I hope, I hope that for you, I hope that for <laughs> the whole, the whole world, um, you know, not needing to dominate, but just being a part of, you know, being able to improvise and to mm -hmm. connect with rather than needing well, to think control. And I, and I know that yeah. part of, uh, you know, where I come from as in my personality and part of us, I think the, the Virgo thing that Haley doesn't like is um, holding people to a standard. And then, so as my neighbor, Brandy, who's one of my best friends and she's a Virgo is, is, we live in a world where we're constantly being disappointed because, because yeah. no one quite mm -hmm. is living up to 
um, this is being recorded, to, uh, to our standards. And that sometimes can be hard because we don't yeah. just say like, oh, thank you so much for taking out the garbage, even though the, taking the garbage out is your job and you should recognize that like the garbage is full and it should be taken right. out. Like, why do I have to give you verbal affirmation that you did a good job when that's just like the, the basic thing that you should do? <laughs> so. Right. Yeah. I drove you nuts when I lived with you because I'd like do stuff like that, but then like, I'd leave cupboards open or job. smoothie goo on the counter and just finish it. Mm-hmm. And in my head, it was done. I was like, I'll clean later, you know. Uh, oh, that's funny that is Haley's there with you. Oh. Um, okay, so I had a couple of, of uh, my listeners send some questions in. Uh, Michelle asked how you became such a fantastic badass woman uh obviously we've heard a lot about that but thank you michelle for your question (laughs) how do you how do you think that you've engaged with your own growth andrea i mean you you you've had a really incredible journey and it sounds like you've you've followed the path you've said yes you've done hard things and you've you've benefited from that but you've sacrificed a lot because of it uh you know Going with the flow, saying yes, even if it's the hard thing, working, you know, completing, completing, just, just finish the task and, um, and learn to put other people first, you know, that, that you, you know, we're all, we all should be putting energy towards a higher energy level or elevating our world. And so you know, you don't come first. You, you, you know, you're here to help others. Yeah. But if you're a hot mess, you can't really Mm -hmm. help anyone else. I think that there's a little bit of both, you know, service to self and service to others. Like, and I think that it's great to hear about all the meditation apps and people wanting to work with their own minds because we can't, no one's going to fix it for us. No one gets to live our lives for us. No one gets to relate well, with our, and I agree. Like our inner world from except cup. us. But if you, if you learn to find purpose and I'm, a, I'm an introvert, like other people, like it does, it drains me. It does not rejuvenate me. But, um, you know, if you find purpose in helping the greater good, I think that that can help you to sleep better at night. It can help you to have stronger relationships and to have a better home life and to, you know, decrease conflict if you are, if you're looking at the greater purpose of things. So, you know, when you talk about like people's whole health, a big part of it is, you know, community and spirituality and your relationships and your home environment and your growth. And, you know, and I think, and so a big part of that, I think, is developing that purpose. And yeah, maybe for some people's purpose is to go and like sit on in a meditative cave in the hills of Nepal and not see anybody for three years and live on grubs. Like maybe that's how they are filling their cup up. But, um, I don't, I think for me, um, when I am busy and productive and of service that I function better in in those other aspects of my life. Hmm. 
That's good. Good insight. Um, and then someone else, Sarah asked about, you know, what your top five, like, I guess, life, life lessons mm-hmm. or, you know, things to consider might be. Um, yes. Yeah, so yeah, I, like, did, the first did you get some thoughts on that? We've already touched on is like staying flexible, you know, um, I would say the second mm-hmm. one is to lead from the front. Like, don't ask people to do things that you're, you can't do or aren't willing to do. Yes, we all have different uh, talents and, and areas of interest, but that you have to demonstrate like you're living your best life before it. But, and you can't expect other people to, to do their own if you're not doing your best. Um, I think forgiveness is a, is a big one. Um, uh, you know, we can't, mm-hmm. you can't sleep at night. You can't move forward if you're stuck because you can't forgive yourself or you can't forgive someone else or some experience that happened. It, it will cause you to be stuck and then you're not able to move forward. Right. Um, and then just, and then just working hard, like maybe not working hard, but just finding what your, your purpose is. And, um, and you have to, ev- and that evolves. Because again, like I mentioned earlier, you, as you get out of your working life and your kids are grown and you, um, you know, you, maybe your, your, your parents have died and your kids are living their lives. If you, and you're retired, if you don't discover what your purpose is at that time, then you're just going to decay. Yeah. So I'd say stay flexible, be grateful. Forgive people, work hard, and leave from the front. That sounds all very much like Capricorn values, podcast, Andrea. But... It's really cool to hear those things. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I love you so much, and you've always seen me better than anyone else. And, like, I mean, you're my, you're my, you're my other mom in a lot of ways. Yeah. So I love you. Thanks for loving me. Thanks for, for coming on my me. show. Thanks for chatting. And what I, what I contributed. Yeah. You're going to have fun editing this uh, convoluted right. tale of two sisters. <laughs> oh. I think just I'll wait just till we get Kirsten on the show. That'll be fun. And then she's just going to have her own podcast. <laughs> and, and sorry, Lauren, you lost your audience because they're all <laughs> tuning in. To see what, yeah. what the, yes, what Kirsten will do next. <laughs> yeah, I love you too. But you- Isn't she amazing? God, I'm very, very lucky to have her as a sister. Well, that's it for this week, folks. The Inspired Astrology Podcast with Lauren K. Hickman. You can find me on Instagram at Lauren K. Hickman. You can reach out to me through energyinterpreter.com. You can DM me most places on social media. I try to make myself available. Uh, if you have questions that you want to ask on here, I don't know. I was thinking, how can I make this more interesting for you? Because this is about you and helping you to be your most authentic you. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Please. Stay inspired.